0: This morning I want to talk to you about the truth about missionaries. What's the truth about missionaries? Because for me, and maybe for you, you know, especially early on when I first became a Christian, you know, my understanding of uh, who does what in the kingdom and who, who who does what as a Christian, you know, for me it was, well, there's your basic, you know, um, you know, it's like eighty-seven gasoline. You know, or uh, you know, it's just um, just basic, basic. You know, normal, uh, run-of-the-mill Christian, sit in the pew. I don't really like the word layman, but you know, they're laymen and they just come and just be them. You know, behave themselves and give a little bit, but they're just normal Christians. But you know, that there's more than that in 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 the church. You know, there's the, the normal everyday Christian, but then if you get a little more spiritual, you know. You might actually teach a Sunday school class Or you might te- You might work with a wanna club Or you might go on a mission trip Or you might, you might do something For the Lord you know, So you're like a next level up There's, there's average every day But then there's the next level Oh they're, they're a little more spiritual Then if you want to get even a little more spiritual You know you become You get real serious about this And you know you become pastor You become a pastor you're going to serve and, and that kind of thing And then of course we all know the next level Would be Superman and then after that Would be missionaries Missionaries are the top level you know. They're the really spiritual ones Right Is that how, is that how you see it you, know, you think oh they're missionaries They must be really really Extra spiritual extra special So let's talk about that What, is it, what does it mean to be a missionary And, and what's the truth about About missionaries well, let's we'll start with this question. How did we—you know, you may be saying, well, Tom, how did you get over there to Austria? Well, I don't know if you recall the, the missionary journeys in the book of, book of Acts. There's three journeys, and then there's Paul's journey to Rome. And the first journey, if you remember this now, it, it's Acts 13, it's fairly charismatic. Because they're worshiping the Lord in, in Antioch and praising the Lord, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God says— Part for me, Saul and Barnabas, to the work to which I've called them. Pretty spiritual, pretty supernatural. And so they, they did. They laid hands on those guys. Uh, Paul John Mark went with them and sent them off on the first missionary journey. And you can read about that in chapters 13 and 14 of the book of Acts. Now, how did that second missionary journey start? Was it the same supernatural voice of the lord speaking it really wasn't you can look if you want it's in chapter 15 verse 36 but paul kind of nudges barnabas and says you know we ought to go back let's go back and visit those churches where we planted those churches and shared the gospel let's just see how they're doing what is that that's just a just a general conversation you know and so if you're thinking about ministry if you're thinking about mission at all and you want that Acts 13 experience, go, go on the mission trip. Yes, this is the Lord talking to you. You might be sitting a long time waiting for that. For Julie and I, it was much more the second one. Lots of conversation, lots of dialogue, lots of talking, lots of praying. And usually it happened, you know, and I, I started doing it when I was here, but I went, I've been to Moldova nine times, and sometimes many times I'm flying back, the States, I'm thinking, man, it'd be great to take my family on a mission trip somewhere. So I, you know, I'd share that with Julie, and share that with the girls, and ha ha, oh, that's a great idea, you know, but that'll never happen. Well, it did get serious around 2008, 2009, and after lots of conversation, lots of just discussion, we decided, and we went before our elders at our church up in Minnesota, And they gave me a one-year... This is incredible on their part, I thought. They released me for a one-year leave of absence to go over to Vienna to teach at this school. And then the plan was I would come back and resume pastoral duties. And before I left, I sat down with those elders and I said, you know what, I want to be sure that I don't... I don't want you to think I'm using you. That if something doesn't happen, I can come back here. So, uh, this is not a safety net. And so, if you want me to step down now, I'm happy to do that. And they said, one guy named John spoke up and said, you know what, Tom, you're our pastor right now, and let's, I'll tell you what, let's just cross that bridge and we can come to it. Because I, you know, they knew and I knew that it's possible we could get over there, and it could extend, which then would mean we would need to part ways. That's only fair. And so, around February of that next year, we did come to the bridge. And Julie and I, we prayed hard. We just felt like the Lord had opened up some doors here, and we decided to extend. We extended another two years. So we wrote a letter, and they received it warmly, and they had a, a wonderful interim, and they ended up hiring him, and I think it was a smooth transition from the Lord. And so we stayed on uh, two more years, and 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 what I do, is, all my kids have gone school there both sarah and laura graduated from there you want to see the website in fact some of you might have your smartphone you're a little bored with a sermon it's www.icsv.at if you ever want to look it up but not now no um uh, um kathy and Lori have seen it and been there and right took you through the school great to see you guys again um so I teach Bible there, and this school, we have about 250 kids, and they come from 50 different countries. Vienna is very international, very, isn't it, very international. You, you hear all kinds of, you're on the train, you hear about every kind of language you can imagine, every color skin, every, it's just a very international city. The United Nations, one of the satellite cities, is, is, is Vienna. So It's a hub for all kinds of people from all over. And our school attracts kids from all over because we're a Christian school. It, we, it brings in Muslim kids, Hindu kids, kids. We get kids who have no religious background. We get kids who are coming from missionary homes. Vienna is also a hub for, for mission and a lot of missionary families live there and reach out into the eastern countries. And so, you know, my Bible classes, I'll have kids, you know, I'll have Muslim kids sitting there, Hindu, all over, everywhere. And so it's really been a, I like that kind of challenge. Um, You know, to know that we're opening the Gospel of Luke, we're we're marching through, seeing who Jesus is, why he came, and kids are from, you know, all over the place, having them write papers on, on who Jesus is, and things they're seeing. It's been an incredible thing, but it is a lot of this. Sowing, 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 like youth ministry is, frankly. Sowing, 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 watering, watering, sowing, sowing, watering that seed. And so that's been primarily our ministry, and not only have I been doing that, but I've also, uh, in just especially this last year, now come alongside, and I'm now, we're doing some discipleship training amongst our staff, teachers, uh, male teachers. And then the Lord opened a door for me to be a pastor at Grace Church, Vienna. And that's www.gracechurch.at. And it's a wonderful international church. We have what I like to describe as like four quadrants. And uh, we had Kathy and Laura came. And they shared some of their stories, some of their mission work when they were coming to Hungary. And uh, we have folks from the Philippines of Filipinos. And we have African, primarily Nigeria and Ghana. And I'll tell you what, I don't know how how much time you spend around folks like that, but like when we do a baby dedication, the entire Nigerian army comes in and they are singing and dancing up the aisle. And it's, it's, it's incredible. The white boy moves away and it's, it's really a beautiful thing to see, to see what, see what the Lord's doing. And, um, and then we have uh, an Iranian ministry. And that to me has been like, wow. Because I was raised, them's the enemy, you know? And here I am, the only one doing Bible study amongst 25, 30 of them. Um, just, I just take that as such a privilege from the Lord to be able to do something like that. Their Bible's open, they're speaking Farsi, I'm speaking English, it's being translated. And they're digging and They ask questions like this. Is the God of the Old Testament, Tom, the same as the God of the New Testament? If so, show us how. Show us why. Let's, let's, we want to learn. Asking questions like that is really good. And then uh, we also have, we didn't have any, but now we have like, we have four small groups. And that's, those that are, um, see each, each of those ministers I just mentioned, they have their own fellowship. So it's like we come together as a hub, but also the Filipino have their fellowship yeah have their fellowship that meets and Iranians the uh, Austrian and British and uh, American groups meeting very small groups around around Vienna as well so um, but you know when you think about ministry it's it's really not it would be it would look very similar to what you're doing here and i would think it would be the same thing you would see in California When you're about gospel ministry, it's simply this. It's verses like this. Galatians 4 says, Paul said, become like me because I became like you. Galatians 4, 12. Become like me because I became like you. That's the essence of incarnational ministry. Anytime you want to be involved in ministry, it starts with moving toward people. I became like you. You can't expect people to come running to you. Does that ever happen to you? Somebody out of the blue comes running up to you, and I've got 30 extra minutes, and I've just been dying for someone to explain the Bible to me. Could you do that for me? I would just love that. Does that ever happen to you? If it does, that's not too often, is it? You're always moving toward, always moving toward. But there's a goal in mind, not just to lovingly incarnate, but that they would receive Christ and grow in Christ and become the, like the example that you're trying to be. That's it. Or you could take John 1:14. Jesus, the Word became flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. He's full of grace and truth. And as Dean Johnson told me, the order is important. If you're going to have an effective ministry of people, you must move with grace and then in truth. You cannot expect people... To, uh, that's, how, that's how Jesus operates. He moves toward so that he might transform, that we would be converted to him, walk in him, grow in him, become like him. But it starts with God's grace moving toward us. That is, Christianity is the one religion that has the grace of God at the core. Every other religion, I don't care what you're looking at, has at the core Works. It's about man trying to put a smile on God's face. Every religion is about that. Not Christianity. He already has a smile on his face, and it's toward his son, and his son became man, went to the cross, died on the cross, rose again, so that if you open your heart and life to him, the smile can go onto your face. It's incarnational. And that's what we're really seeking to do. So let's look at, I'd like to read with you together. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and verses 1 to 5. And I'm going to share four little thoughts here about the truth about missionaries. Reading here this morning from the English Standard Version, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5 and i when i came to you brothers i did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of god with lofty speech or wisdom really no nope. i decided note that this is a conscious decision i decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified and i was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling and my speech my message not in plausible words of wisdom no but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, comma, why? That your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but that your faith might rest in the power of God. This is, this is the Word of God. So if you're a note-taker, four little things here. We're going to talk about missionary emotions, We're going to talk about missionary message. We're going to talk briefly about missionary resources. And we're going to talk briefly about missionary goals. Missionary goals. Let's talk about missionary emotions. The truth about missionary emotions. And you'll find that in verse three. I was with you. Notice that. With. Not over, not under, not three miles away. I was right there with you, but there's some things going on in my heart emotionally. Weakness, fear, and much trembling. Some verses of the Bible, I feel like I'm getting to the point where I'm wearing them out. One is Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with your righteous right hand. Isn't that beautiful? Five statements God makes. Two commands. Don't be afraid and don't be dismayed. I'm your God. And I'm with you. And and I'm with you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to help you. And I'm going to uphold you with my righteous right hand. Many of you are familiar with 2 Corinthians chapter 9, sorry, 12, where Paul talks about his own emotions there a little bit as well. And he talks about, man, I had this thorn in the flesh. And I went to the Lord three times and said, Lord, please take this from me. In Jesus' name, amen. He did that three times. And what does he get? What was his answer? My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, he said, I will glory in my weaknesses and in hardships and difficulties because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Now, here's how I used to understand that. This is how I used to understand that. Maybe this is how you still understand that. I am weak. I go to the Lord, he strengthens me, and then I'm strong. I don't think that's what that is saying. I think it's saying this. I am weak, we go to the Lord for strength, he strengthens me, and I am still weak. That's very important. You don't graduate out of weakness you don't graduate out of fear and you don't graduate out of trembling well if you do we need to instruct Paul because he apparently didn't missionary emotions please if we're sending you the wrong message need to apologize nobody's superman nobody's going anywhere Mr. Tough Guy we can handle this this, oh, I got this one. It's all about weak people sharing a wonderful, glorious message. Whether you do it here in Iowa Falls, or you do that somewhere else in Iowa, or you do that somewhere else in the 50 states, or you travel somewhere else in the world, we're still weak. We're very weak. And we need to fess up to it, own up to it, embrace it, because that's when the power will flow. That's when the change will happen, is when you and I will look ourselves in the mirror and go, I'm the same person. Jesus has transformed my heart. I'm justified before a holy God. He's adopted me into his family. But I still struggle with weakness and fear and trembling. And that's healthy. That's very healthy. That's very important. Let me give an example of a time when I was feeling really... I can't believe what's happening here. And I stepped out, and the Lord helped me. Here's what happened. I was actually in the Iranian fellowship. This is about 18 months ago or so. I was doing some teaching in the afternoon on Sunday, and then I finished. I said, would anybody have any questions here today? And so this lady raises her hand. Now, there's about 25 guys in the room, two ladies and then the leader, and his name is Ali. And so this lady right over here, her name is Zara. She raised her hand, and she said, yes, um, I have a question. She said, um, I've had a dream, and I was wondering if you would be willing to interpret my dream. <laughs> I'm thinking, I must be wearing the Daniel t-shirt today, because, you know, <laughs> yeah. So. I heard myself say. I heard myself go. Yes, yes, I will. I'm, whoa! What am I saying? I'm, I'm grabbing these words. Come back here. Get back in here where you belong. You know, don't. You, what, what are you doing? What, what do you think you are, Daniel? Yes, yes, I will. Well, I am weak, fearful, and trembling. So she she starts telling me her story. She said. Uh, uh, Tom, she said, "I'm I'm not actually a believer, um, but I want you to know I'm thinking about it. And uh, my husband, he's actually made a commitment, and so is my son. And I've got a lot of questions about this. And so I had this dream, and here is our dream. We decided that you know we're in Austria, we're here in Vienna. Let's go out to the hills somewhere. Let's just take a day. Let's go hiking, you know, see see the sights." Climb, you know, climb every mountain Something like that And so, so they're climbing and hiking And they brought pack lunch along and Having a good time And um, so It was really a beautiful day And toward the end of the day I think she said around 5 or 6 o'clock You know It's you know, time for maybe to start thinking about Maybe starting to think about going home They came to this flat plateau In their climb Just sort of like a big flat rock and uh, so they, they just were kind of looking at the sights and just standing there. And all of a sudden, right out of the blue, this water got comes out of the earth, out of the rock. and just goes way up in the sky. This fountain, water. And then she said, and then over here, there was this big boulder, big, huge boulder. And on the the boulder it said, J-E-S-U-S, Jesus. She says, Tom, what does this mean? So, um, I'm thinking, man. And I don't hear voices. I haven't heard any voices. But I did hear this in my heart. You tell her the story of the woman at the well, and don't get cute. Just tell it. In other words, my book doesn't need your help. You don't need to elaborate. You don't make this colorful. Tell her the story of the woman at the well. And don't get cute. So, you know, almost like robotic, I said, well, I'd like to tell you a story. And it's from John chapter 4. And I just, I mean, I just told it as I remembered it in the text. You know, this happened, this, this happened. And of course, you know, Jesus comes to Jacob's well. He's very thirsty and all of a sudden, this lady comes, you know, noontime, and it's just the two of them. And they start to have this conversation. And he asked her if he could have a drink of water. And she's, you know, she's kind of like, what? You know, I'm Samaritan. You're Jewish. You're male. I'm female. You don't talk to me. And then he changes the subject. And um, he said, you know, if you drink this water, it's good water, but you're going to get thirsty again. But... You drink the water I give you. How's it go? Out of your innermost being, out of your heart, within you will f- will this this spring of water will well up to eternal life. I'm telling this to her straight out, and her eyes are getting really, really big. So, I'm getting a little bolder in life, and I said. Zara, you look like you're ready to make a decision today. You ready to give your life to Christ? I think you are. She said, I believe I am. I said, Ali, could we gather around her and pray over her, pray with her? He said, let's do that. They all gathered around that lady. And it was one of the easiest conversion stories I've ever seen. She's like, she, she's like, blows. And she crosses over into the kingdom. Beautiful. But I'll tell you what, there's not a seminary in the land that will teach you. When the Iranian lady asks you about her dream, tell her the story of the woman at the well. There's no one-size-fits-all. There isn't. The Lord takes weak people who tremble in fear, but you step out, and you're going to find the Lord will strengthen you. He will help you. He will uphold Hold you by his righteous right hand. Missionary emotions. Weakness, fear, much trembling. So your weakness is not... See, here's how it goes. You think, oh, I'm disqualified. I couldn't do that. You apparently don't know me. I'm the epitome of weakness. That doesn't disqualify you, my friend. That is actually your qualification. Weakness... Is your qualification Not your disqualification Missionary motions Secondly, missionary message Look at this, chapter 2, verse 1 Paul said he came with a testimony But not his own It's the testimony of God Then he said in verse 2 He decided to know nothing Except Jesus Christ And him crucified I'm the kind of person I like to boil things down So, what is this saying here? What's the essence? What's going on here? I see three things a word, a Savior, and a cross. And if the gospel we're giving is not from the Scriptures, it's not about a Savior who is crucified on the cross, we're not at the heart. The heart of our message, it doesn't matter if you're in Norway, the Netherlands, anywhere in this world, or Nevada, down by Des Moines. It doesn't matter. It's always Jesus Christ and him crucified, found in a book. A book, a Savior, cross. And, there's a, and the reason I say that and try to underline that for you is because there's a lot of competing messages out there that would get you to think what the, what the message should be. Even amongst evangelicals, there's a lot of voices Oh, it's this, that, that, and the, And they're all, if they're not wrong, they are subsidiary. They're subsets of the central message of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So for me personally, it's not about America. That's not an advantage anyway for those who visit Europe. You know that. Europeans aren't. I'm an American. Oh, well, that's, that's not impressive. And that's certainly not my message. The American church is not my message. Nor is, uh, I think, right-wing politics. Be aware of that. I just caution you. That is not the message. If you're all about being a right-wing politician, political, good for you. That's not the message. Uh, It's not the latest book. It's not the latest conference. It's not the latest seminar. It has nothing to do with legalism. If you're into some legalistic thing, you want everybody to do things your way. Or antinomianism, which is no laws at all. Oh, we're all under grace. Woo! That's not the message. Uh, it's not my personality. Uh, no churches should be built around anybody's personality, starting with the pastor. No missionary. No missionary. It's not built around any personality. Or opinion. Oh, that's just your opinion. Yeah, okay. We have opinions, but that's not the message. And it's not my experiences, and we've had them. It's God's book. It's God's son. And it's God's grace. And I challenge you to think about the message that you believe in your heart and you share from your lips. Does it measure with that? Because that's our message. Whether it's here or there, it's God's book, God's son, and it's God's grace. So, one of the things I have done, you know, I'm I'm always around Christians. So I'm in this Christian school and um, working with, you know, God's people. I I really felt like I mean I need to have unbelieving friends. I need some friends who are not Christians. So you know, one of the things that I do is. Um, uh, i been doing this for a long time, but I do some card tricks, coin tricks, and some magic. And uh, there's a place online called the Magic Cafe, and there's like 45,000 magicians from around the world. You can join up, and there's all kinds of forums. It's actually pretty interesting, at least it is to me. And so, but through that, I met two guys living in Vienna. One is a diplomat from Ecuador. I would have never met this guy, except for this connection. And the other is a lawyer from He's originally from Graz, and Graz is the home of Arnold Schwarzenegger. And so they, they're famous for that. But he's a lawyer now living in, in uh, Vienna. So the three of us have formed our little club. We meet about once every four or five weeks, and sometimes we go to each other's home, or sometimes we'll go have some pizza, and then we do some magic, and then we criticize each other or actually try to encourage one another. But it's, 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 an, it's very good. But through this contact, okay— this guy, the lawyer, has started to ask questions. Let me tell you about him. This is how he operates. He said to me, um, uh, now Tom, he's fluent. He's fluent in English. He says, now Tom, this, uh, this book you read, uh, is that family friendly? <laughs> Pretty family friendly. <laughs> he goes, yeah, I've read your book. He said, uh, that story of Isaac uh, sorry, that story of Abraham. He took uh, his own son up to the mountain, and he's going to put a knife through his son. Boy, that don't seem very family friendly to me. Is that family friendly to you? <laughs> and then he says, uh, um, "Yeah, you know, when uh, Jesus called James and John and Peter, and, and you know, and they they left their own father in that boat all alone to do the work all by himself, and he, they left him alone." Now, that's not very family-friendly, is it? <laughs> what do you say to guys like that? Well, um, after a while, you know, I, we just dialogued. I kept the friendship going. And, and so one day I said, you know, would you, ever be, would you ever be interested in just reading the gospel of Mark together? Oh, that would be wonderful. That would be great. So I said, I'll tell you what. You bring your girlfriend and it'll be me and Julie, and then I've got another friend who's with the Alliance Defense Fund, uh, another Christian lawyer in, in uh, Vienna, and his wife. And we'll just read John, uh, sorry, Mark chapter 1 together. And uh, one rule is uh, no, no arguments. We just read it and just talk about it. Okay? Oh, that sounds great. So he comes in that night, and he's a big smile on his face, and he's got this poster. He goes, hey, this is for you. So, well, thank you. So I I unroll it, and uh, first, honestly, I don't know what I'm looking at. It's gray on this side and red on this side, and teeny tiny print. And there's arcing going on (whistles) back and forth. Gray on this side, red on this side. Teeny tiny print. What's this? What is this? And so I look close. In the corner, it says, 438 alleged discrepancies in the Bible. <laughs> what are you going to do with that? It's, so, so I said, so uh, should we go through these one at a time? Is that what you're looking for? You know, and he's, uh, you know, you know, he just, he's, he's trying to show me Christianity doesn't make any sense. But deep down, I know he is searching, searching. So we sit down and we, we okay, let's, all our thank you, thank you very much. Set that over there. We sit down, we start to read through it, and he, he brought his uh, clipboard. he done his homework, not the kind of homework you do in discipleship class, you know, where you try to apply it to your life. Oh, no, no, no. He's done his homework. He's figured out that the river in Mark is different than the river in John, and there's actually 60 miles difference between these two places, and he's got it all, you know, Figured out, and so he's trying to, he's he's hanging on by his fingernails, but he's desperately trying to show this book doesn't make sense. Now, by now you're thinking, why are you a friend with a guy like that? Matter of fact, that's a good question. My son said to me one day, he said, Dad, I think you need to dump him. (laughs) I'm not dumping him. Uh, Sometimes on Facebook I'll put... um, A little verse of scripture. Some of you are friends with me on Facebook. And, uh, oh, two or three months ago, I guess, I put this, uh, just this little phrase. I put, this is something I cannot do, but only God can do. And I quoted Ezekiel 36 that says, I will take your heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. That's all. Just put that out. And so, he comes back to me, private message. Oh, I like that quote. And, uh, uh, but Tom, he said, you know, I think you're a little too hard on yourself. He said, you can do that. I believe in you. <laughs> Whoa, well, that's encouraging. I said, you know, I wrote, you know, I talked with him. I said, you know, what? I, I wish this were the case, but it's not. I said, I stick with the Apostle Paul who said, Romans 7, you know, I have the desire to carry this out. I'm sorry, I had the desire um, to do this, uh, the good to do it, but I cannot carry it out. That's a very rough summary of Romans 7, verse 18. And so he he writes back and says, well, I stick with Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) Winnie the Pooh? This guy has got a photographic memory. He quotes from memory something that he read in his childhood into English. And he quotes it in right here, and he says, and this is I, verbatim. It is a time uh, Winnie the Pooh is having a conversation with Piglet. And Piglet, you know, a little bit like Eeyore, you know, self-image problems, you know, I'm not sure he can do this. Oh, no, you know, and Piglet, and so Pooh says, you know, Piglet, you are braver than you believe, and you are stronger than you seem, and you are smarter than you think. And I said, I have I totally agree with Winnie the Pooh. I totally agree with that philosophy. I mean, Jeff here, let's say Jeff, you you snow ski? Probably not. So let's say. (laughs) Let's say you might have that ambition to start snow skiing somewhere. Other than probably here. And and so but you get to the top of the hill, we're up there with you, you know, and you're, you're fearful, you don't think you can do this. You just need some bravery. You need some friends to come. Up. You need Winnie the Pooh to say, you know, Jeff, you are braver than you believe. Really, right? I'm not kidding you. That's, you just need a little bravery. But if, when it comes to getting the stone heart to turn into flesh, it's not a bravery message. Oh, you just need a little more bravery. You're just, you just need you just get rid of your fear. You get rid of your stony heart. You will not. Get rid of a stony heart Through bravery I'm sticking with that guy He said to me You know Tom he said I know That I've I've thrown some stuff at you This is what he said to me recently I want to This is a lawyer talking to me I want to thank you for investing in me He's thanking me For investment See the Lord's working in his heart And, And that's what Mission work is and it's sticking to that message. I don't get off on all those details. You know, I, I haven't told you. There's a lot more I can tell you. But every time we talk, it comes back to Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's our message. And you can throw stones at Noah, and, and you can throw stones at, 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 at Jonah, all you want. But our story is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And everything flows out of that. Missionary motions, miss, missionary message, uh, thirdly, quickly, missionary resources, resources. Um, well, what does he say here? It's not his eloquence. It's not human wisdom. The NIV says not eloquence, not human wisdom, not persuasive words. We've got to be really careful. See, we think, oh, I'm just not, I don't have enough words, or I'm not really smart enough. I don't think I could do this. It's not about that, Apparently. Your resources are the Spirit, is one resource, the Holy Spirit. That's verse 4. It's a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Now, of course, this is a silly analogy, but the Lord, and the Lord will never do this. But let's say the Lord decides he's going to withhold his Holy Spirit from working in your life for 30 days. What would have to stop? What would can you continue on with no problem at all? How about your church? The Holy Spirit is not going to be working here for the next 30 days. There's a little power shortage, and so you've got to work on a few things. But, for next, sorry, this is a test. For The next 30 days, you will not have the Holy Spirit. Would, it, would you be able to just continue on as no problem? That's a, that's a good question to ask, isn't it? What is your resource? Because you have the Spirit of God— Living within you and living within this fellowship that can empower and enable and help you to do things you can't do. Holy Spirit. And, and the Lord's never going to shut off His power, but we can shut it off, as, as, as Lynn Lee said so eloquently, we just surrender our lives to the Lord. We give our lives over to Him, and He continues to work in and through our lives. Well, you know, how did you receive Christ? Colossians 2.6 six. You receive you, you you welcome him into your life. How do you continue? You walk in him. So really the secret of the Christian life, I, I tell people, secret, what I learned, the secret of Christian life is in your two hands. Y-I-E-L-D-T-R-U-S-T. Yield and trust. You yield yourself over to the Lord and you trust in him to work. The, the, the pipes are clean, it will flow. Because yielding involves repentance and confession and getting yourselves right with Right with him. I have a friend who's, who's now with, with the Lord, and um, I used to call him. He, he um, taught Bible where I went to seminary, and his name was Mr. Hatch. And I, I called him up one day. This is about 15, 20 years ago now. But um, I said, uh, Mr. Hatch, I, you know, I like to. What is ministry? What, can we just. What's, what's ministry? Now, he's from Mississippi. Tall, slender fellow. And uh, this is how he talks. Uh, Ministry, Tom. Oh, Tom. He said, ministry ministry is what God does. He said, if God's not working through your life, you ain't got a ministry. You see the resource there? You see what he's saying? I have never forgotten that. Ministry is what God does. If God is not working through your life, (laughs) you might have a lot going on. I'll tell you what, you don't got a ministry. Ministry is what God does. It's what God does. If He's not working through your life, you ain't got a ministry, which leads us to our goals. Our goals. Where are we all headed here? Well, as we said in Sunday school, I don't, I, I don't think the Bible's saying a thousand different things, I think it's saying a few things a thousand different ways. Here's one way it's describing how you're to walk with Christ. It's verse 5. Your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's what every pastor desires. That's what every ministry desires. is to see, the people walk with Christ, walk trusting in the, their faith is in the power of God as a way of life. That's where it's going. See, Paul says, it's, I'm... <laughs> It's not mine, it's the Lord working through me and the goal is that you'd have the same kind of experience you would walk and trust the Lord as a way of life as a way of life I'm going to close by just sharing um, what I have found to be one of the best ways for me personally and I commend it to you uh, to keep the fires moving and to uh, keep trusting in the Lord in that way and that is scripture memory you know, it's what you do at a wanna club. I'm sure you did in the little uh, the children's classes today. Okay, what's our Bible verse today? And that's beautiful. I mean, that is incredibly wonderful. It's eternal. But sometimes we shut that off and we we don't do it with as adults. We stop the scripture memory. And I have found that I need that. Uh, I the, the the I take things. You know, as I read, I write these on in three-by-five cards, and i memorize memorizing the Scriptures, thinking about them. Because, see, I've got all kinds of thoughts that will come in, you know, and if I don't crowd those thoughts out with God's thoughts, I'm going down. We're all going down. If you're wondering why you might be struggling, maybe it's because God's thoughts, God's words, God's truth is not frontal lobe in your mind and in your heart. And Scripture memory is is a tremendous way— to help that happen. Um, If you'd like more, I've got a a resource I can commend to you. It's up in Minneapolis. If after church you want to talk to me, I'll be happy to um, talk to you about that. In fact, it's online. It's very simple, very good. But Scripture, memory you just take your Bible and write verses out and and just start uh, putting them to memory. Let me show you a passage here that um, has been meaningful to me. It's on one of my cards right now. It's over. I'll show it to you, and we'll close with this. It's from um, Psalm 52. Psalm 52. I was just going over this, this this weekend, so I just wanted to share it with you. It's what, it's what I've been thinking about. Psalm 52, verses 8 and 9. I am like, you say, well, no, you have it memorized? Um, Sort of. But I'll just read it to you. We've got Psalm 52, verses 8 and 9. I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. And I will thank you forever because you have done it. I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I will trust you. I will trust in the steadfast love of God. And I'll continue to thank you because you have done it. Now that to me is saying three really, really helpful things. It's telling me where God is going in my life. He wants my life to be like a green, I think the NIV says flourishing, olive tree. He wants your life to be like a tree. He wants your life to be like Christ. He wants from your life love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness self-control. He wants those qualities coming out of your life. He wants you to be that way all the time. And so that's telling me, the stand. what's God's standard? It's telling me that he wants me to be like Christ, to live like Christ, to follow Christ, and to have his life and his qualities coming through me in character and in ministry. And then he says, but I, I just trust in you. The only respect, response is, Lord, I just trust in your love. And that's all he's asking. You just trust in his love every day. You go live your life. But you're trusting in the living God and his love. Steadfast love. That's covenant love. He loves you. is not going to let you go. Because the secret is God does it. That verse is saying the very same thing Mr. Hatch said to me. Lord, you've done it. You did it. You did it then. You do it now. Help me. Work through me. Goals, helping people live, trusting in the power of God as a way of life, getting the scriptures into their life and heart. You trust that, you, you, you know, you, you memorize the scriptures, you've got something to stand on. I, I just, I can't speak enough about the importance, I think, of, of, of scripture memory. But, but most importantly, what's our emotions? We're, we're just weak people. What's our message? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's found in this book and this book alone. If you're finding your message, your ideas, your ideas from, from some other book, friend, this is God's book. This is God's book, and that's the only book He's written. That's it. Everything else is human in origin. And your resources is the Holy Spirit. And the goal is that people would trust in the power of God as a way of life. Let me pray, and then Pastor Jeremy will will, um, come up and and close us. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for my dear friends here at the Iowa Falls Free Church. I just pray you put your hand on every single one of them. Encourage them, strengthen them. Help them to know that their weakness, (laughs) that's not a liability. In some cases, it's an asset. Help them to, to, to just refresh their minds and hearts. There, our message is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Everything else comes after that. Help us to re- be reminded that our power is only one source, the Holy Spirit. And where do we want to go with ministry? We want to see people, children, families, parents, singles, uh, other cultures, other languages, other places, everyone, trusting in the power of God and the gospel as a way of life. Would you do that in all of our lives? Maybe, Lord, just take one thing today, maybe just one thing, speak it deep into our heart, and we determine, Lord, by your grace, I'm going to put that into practice. I'm going to do something about that. Would you help us with that, Lord? Lord? And my friend, if you are here today, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Uh, you can just surrender to Him right there where you're at. You, just need, seem to, you need to wave the white flag. Come out with your hands up. Lord, I, I've sinned against you. And I'm sorry. And my life's a mess. And I want forgiveness. And thank you, You went to the cross to wash away my sins. You rose again to make it a fact, a truth, eternal. Right now, I'm I'm just I'm opening my life to you. I'm welcoming you into my life and my heart. I want to follow you. You know, my friend, if that's your prayer, you 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 are uh, open. You're crossing the threshold. You're coming into the kingdom. This church exists to help you to foster that kind of a relationship with God. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't make it a secret. Find someone you can talk to and um, develop your spiritual life. Lord, we bless you, we praise you, and worship you. In Jesus' name.